I got it cut and sold in a day. Shout out to my homie Manolo in Atlanta. He cut and sold it for me quick. Nice. And um, I just happened to be at this agency party for the MLS Cup. And little little did I know, I was wearing a jersey, obviously. You know what I'm saying? From the brand standpoint. I'm yeah. sitting on the couch. I'm playing FIFA. Flocka walks up right here to me. He just, it was like an awkward pause. Like, damn, this is crazy. He's right here. <laughs> All of a sudden, he, he turns over. He goes, yo, that jersey kind of fire. I said, bro, little did you know, like, I spent all the last 24, 48 hours trying to get you said jersey. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. You know, yes, we finally got it popping. You know, what are you doing mm. right now? Like, what are your current roles and responsibilities? You know, you have your own brands. You're also yeah. working with other um, brands. So just, you know, maybe introduce yourself a little bit with what, you know, you run into someone in the elevator. Mm. What do you tell them? You do yeah. just a bit Give more like, than that, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always have this uh, weird thing where I have to explain it to my parents. And it's always like the hardest thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like in my head, and of course it makes sense on paper, but dog, it's probably, the, I, I, even if I begin to try to tell them like, what do I do? Like, they're just like, okay, yeah, whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, oh uh, man, yeah, dude, uh, that's kind of been my life, a whole bunch of different roles now. A lot of my life now is split between like agency work, obviously, you know, I work with uh, FSV and then, you know, the brand work, doing a lot of the, just the community work we do out here in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Um, between those two, that's usually my day-to-day. Yeah, it's usually, uh, you know, I at least try to get the Sunday leagues. I still play that Sunday league, you know, get a little paper under the table, you know what I'm saying, make sure I'm fit, you know. But outside of that, yeah, it's just life now has been just half between the brand and, and, and then half between the agency and both for like two whole completely jobs, different jobs yeah. at at times. And it's sometimes it's hard to balance. But again, like I always tell people, uh, I'm blessed and highly favored, man, because like at the end of the day, I'm still doing soccer, you know what I'm saying? Like we all have a... a that's the best way to say. We all have like, yeah, we play ball, but to kind of continue that journey in a different way for me is the biggest blessing to my So like, even though I'm like busy 24 seven, it's like, it's still a fun busy, you know what I'm saying? And between those two, between those two, I and mean, even with the agency, it's just a lot of different things I do. I wear a lot of different hats there and the brand, same, same, similar situation. But, you know, I always tell people too, that's kind of like my personality. You know, I like to do different things at different times. I've never been the one to kind of like I'm just a graphic designer. I just yeah. do tech packing. Like it's the fun of it is doing a different thing every day. Now there yeah. is a detriment to a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? But again, in terms of a livelihood, man, I love it. I just love it every different every day something new. You know, everything, yeah. you know, every day something belongs to the sport. So okay, okay, I ain't got no plans really. I ain't got no plans at all. Now for our listeners, because we know, because we've done extensive yeah. research on you, say okay. Um, a deep dive. But, uh <laughs> You said you you work you, most of your time is spent working uh, on your brand and uh, with your agency. Your brand, which is mm-hmm. you, you're a founder of, is Kit Boys, and the Correct. agency that you work with for in conjunction with uh, is for Soccer Ventures. Correct? Did I have that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Correct. And that's, Correct. And that's yep, where yep. most of your time spent, other than uh, on the pitch on Sunday mornings. Yeah, you know it, man. Got to keep, got to keep fit once a week at least, at least. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. We had uh we had Kalen Carr on the pod, so we got some we got some four soccer we got some four soccer ventures yeah. love. Um, yeah. I was I just had a call with JJ the other day too. So shout out JJ as well, man. Yeah. That's the gang as well. Yeah, yeah. Shout out JJ. 
Um, no, I feel like, I mean, even just in that brief description, I feel again, like we have a lot of these similarities of like, mm. I mean, just doing so many different things on a daily basis and not just being mm. a, a specialist in one thing. Um, yeah. and I think we can probably talk about this a little bit later in the pot of just like the dynamics of that and kind of being yeah. <laughs> a jack of all trades, uh, master mm -hmm. of none, except I, mean, I feel like you are the master of multiple things so we can get into that oh place. man i appreciate that so let's, yeah. let's take a take it back a little bit um yeah. you know so now people know that you're here working for for soccer ventures you obviously have your own brand um continuing mm -hmm. to work in the game um and have a unique relationship to soccer um from a business standpoint um, but let's talk a little bit kind of how mm -hmm. you got here so obviously yeah. from mm -hmm. our you know mentioned extensive research we know you grew up in east atlanta um but can you just share a little yes, bit sir. about yes, you know your childhood growing up in East Atlanta and kind of when mm -hmm. this relationship with soccer started and, mm -hmm. you know, even as far as what were your aspirations as a kid, just cause I think it, it's interesting. It's cool to hear what people wanted to do when they were younger. And then, now right. you know, we're mm -hmm. actually in a position to be doing some of this shit. Like, you know, how did, yeah, man. how did we navigate from there? Yeah, no, it's a, it, I have a very interesting journey and it is a very interesting journey, especially through ball, but yeah, man, born and raised here in Atlanta. Um, my mother's first generation here. She's from, um, she's actually from Africa. She's from the Cape Verde Islands. So yeah, she's first generation here. A lot of my family is from Boston. Um, and yeah, it's, they moved down here, had me down here. Uh, don't know why uh, I got put in, I got put in soccer real early, maybe about year four. You know, of course that's when, you know, that's a very starter age. So yeah, year four, I got put in. When you were four years old? Basketball. For for like I played uh it was a small youth club that had a YMCA in, in East Atlanta and that's where I used to play ball at when I was a kid and they just put me in the program. Now it was always weird. I never got the why because you know my dad's big into basketball. He's a big Julius Erdis fan. Um, my mom just was like just regular with the sports situation. But again, I think it was a situation where they knew how to keep me out of trouble. And the first step was kind of like, hey, put him into sport. And then the first thing they put me into was soccer. So yeah, yeah year four out the gate. Um, East Atlanta is a very diverse place, man. Like it's Caribbean, it's East Africans, it's just a slew of people. I think, you know, now that I look back on it, it's probably one of the best experiences of my life being at that club, especially year four. I was probably played there yeah. until it I was like 13. Um, and I played for all black youth team out here, man. And I, like, you know, especially in soccer it's nowadays, man, that's the hardest thing to kind of find. You know, it's just a lot of people that, you know, resonate with you, look like you, you know what I'm saying, and play the game with you for me. That was a lot of my life, you know, so I loved everything about it. So, like, from a, from an early age, it was like, well, I get to enjoy these type of people. You know what I'm saying? I'm playing this game. Like, it was definitely once I got probably about seven, eight, I was like, yeah, I want to be a soccer player. Whatever it got to be, however I got to do it, you know what I'm saying? I had to be, you know what I'm saying? And just and it's just a testament to the the true genuine experience I think I had early on. And, yeah, so, yeah, from, from year four all the way through what, I played D2 college ball out here, um, it put me into school and everything, so. Yeah, that was a lot of my journey out here in um, Atlanta. But yeah, my early life, a lot of it was just playing ball, man. That's the only thing I had an interest in, really, up front, if I'm being honest. Hey, yeah. hey Seiko, did you, did you see mm -hmm. that you played uh, in a, on an all-black soccer league or club from like age four to 13? Yeah. Yeah, 13. And the only reason why I left the club at 13 is the, the club dissolved due to underfunding. Um, and that was the only reason why I didn't stay. Uh, and again, it's, I, I, I still recognize how unique of an experience that, that was because – it was all black, but it was like Eastern Africans, it's Caribbeans, yeah. it's, you know, it's so many different people that I got to be in touch with so early on. It kind of did give me a, a pretty good early, like, worldview about things, you know what I'm saying? And East Atlanta is still part of the hood, you know what I'm saying? So 
with all those kind of combinations together, it just, again, it's probably one of the most genuine experiences I had as a kid and what kind of begun my life in the sport, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Is an all-black soccer uh, club kind of unique? Because, I, frankly, I've never heard of that. Uh, I mean, I read that in yeah, Ohio. It's, yeah, it's it's super unique. Honestly, the more I, and especially the work I do with the H, the more I realize stories where it's like it's almost the top maybe five percentile or at least the bottom five percentile that you'll get that type of situation. Especially, you know, soccer in the South, man, it's South in general, it's kind of hard to even have that thing come to fruition sometimes, you know what I'm saying, in that in that kind of segment. So, you know, every, usually all of all the kids my age play football. It's, you know, the South is a big football state, and, and that's how it kind of works. So, yeah, yeah it was it was just such a unique experience, man. And every day I look back, I'm like, that's probably the best thing that could have been for me at the time, yeah. you know, because, again, I got to see both sides of things as well, you know, from that standpoint. Yeah. No, I think – I think that's such like a, a formative time, you know, yeah. in your life. And I feel like I was very lucky, obviously growing up in Oakland is one of the most diverse places mm-hmm. in the country. Yep, and, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, my team was like half Mexican. We had a couple of kids from like, there were yeah. Annie, a couple of Asian kids. Like, I was, dope, yeah. Me and my best friend were like the token white kids on the team, you know, it was just like, it was like yeah. such a like yeah. combination of so many different like cultures. Um, and his I mean, father was French. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we had, Crap, shit. it was cool. Like, I mean, I feel, you know, obviously it was different, but like, I think being exposed to such diversity at such a young age is, is important. It's everything, man. Um, it's everything. I think soccer is such a global game that like, mm. obviously there's, there's still such horrible like racism that happens all over the world, but just like yeah. how diverse some of these locker rooms are. I feel like as from a playing perspective, like it really gives you a different global view, you know, having being able to share a locker room with, with that many different, different cultures. Agreed. Um, Agreed. So that, that's dope. And so mm-hmm. you mentioned you um, went to a D2 school, mm-hmm. you know, following high school in Atlanta. You know, when yeah. when did this kind of shift from wanting to play professionally, or I don't know if you mentioned that mm-hmm. that was kind of your goal, into yeah. staying connected to the game um, mm-hmm. but from a business standpoint or or not as a player? And this is, this is something that yeah. we, this is something we talked about with Raheem. This is something we talk shout about. Shout out to Raheem as well. Shout yeah. out to Raheem. Um, this is something yeah. we talk This is something I talk about just – you know, as someone who's played professionally for some years now, and, you know, at mm-hmm. some point I'm going to have to transition into something else. And so there's, there's a, there's an inherent identity shift when mm-hmm. you are a footballer who is either a pro or has pro aspirations. And that changes mm-hmm. into, I'm going to do something else. The fact that you've been yeah, able to now parlay that into something still so connected to the game and impactful is like, I mean, bravo, you, you're doing some super dope shit. So like, appreciate that. talk a little bit about yeah. that, you know, that shift mentally and identity wise mm-hmm. from playing in college. So like, oh, snap, like I'm maybe I'm not playing pro, but I'm going to still be doing something in this game that's dope in a different respect. Yeah, honey. And um, I'll bring it back a little bit, too. I think, you know, once I hit age 13, I was probably what early, what? late middle school, early high school too at that age. Yeah. I, I, you know, my birthday is really late. So I was always the youngest kid in the classes, but um, you know, I, I, to kind of bring it back a lot of my, beyond just the sport, I had an inherent, like a, I had a really bad, well, I, I call it really bad, but I really with, um, and I was, I was hustling and buying and sell sneakers when I was 13 to like 20. That was the way I kind of made my lunch money early on. So, you know, all this from sneakers, you know, streetwear is obviously the closest related field and, 
you know, for a lot of my life, man, that was what I inspired, the things I enjoyed from a hobby standpoint. So, yeah, if I wasn't hustling, flipping kicks just to make so much money on the side, I was just, you know, studying streetwear and kind of like, like that was just my lane. That was the crowd of people I hung out with. And, yeah. you know, I think that that was a big, I guess, influence into how I kind of decided my career post post the game. So I kind of start there. And then, yeah, from 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 there, I think I never really gave up on the pro dream. And I don't think we ever really do. You know what I'm saying? Like once I got D2, it was like, or at least when I got to college, it was still that situation. It was like, how do I find myself getting to pro from wherever I'm at? Like, I don't think that that belief never wavered. Probably wasn't until probably my senior year, I had a pretty bad ankle surgery. And it was kind of like, ah, uh, this is a big mountain to climb where I had to like do some decision making. But I think you made a good point, man. I think that decision, especially for athletes in general, is one of the hardest shifts we have to deal with, you know, especially coming from the sport we love. Um I think, you know, really for me, it's like, it's almost like you have to change your complete identity for where it's at to something different and to detach and uproot like that many years of your life to just transition is a very, very hard thing. And I don't think, you know, us as athletes talk about it enough neither because it's like, it's almost goes into the mental health conversation. It almost goes into just a general health conversation. Like you're asking us to like completely shift what we like, believe, love, you know, our influence, you know, our friends, you know what I'm saying? To a certain extent. So it's a, it's a humongous shift. I think for me, I did come to terms more with it that senior year, but at the same time, it was still like, I think the thing that kind of pro, like progressed things for me was like, yo, I have to be around the sport. Like if it, cause I was so diehard on going pro and in that situation it was like, well, if it ain't this, it has to be something here. Like I knew there was businesses for it. I knew that, you know, there's higher management level, you know, they had a, I think a sports management class in college. So I knew that there was like a, a route into the business side of sport and I was like, well, if I got to continue to love, I just going to change the medium, you know what I'm saying? A little yeah. bit more so than just leave the sport in general. Cause I think I just was never really ready to make that decision. If I'm being honest, man, like all my friends, everything I ever knew, that was the game, you know what I'm saying? So if it wasn't the game in that capacity, I was like, nah, bump it. We got to find a different capacity to work in right. from that standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, I just had to ask myself early on, it was like, well, if you're going to be in the business of sport, like, is it corporately? Is it ticket sales? Like, what do you want to do? And for me, like, I did so much just in the lane of streetwear and that kind of vibe just for such a long time. And I kind of studied it. Like, I don't know. It was just always super interesting to me. And I almost, yeah. I pretty much studied it a lot. And that's where I was like, well, if, I, if there's in a lane for me, I have to build the lane. And I think that's when the journey kind of really got started. And you really, it was just a jump off the cliff type of moment for me. And I yeah. You know, your generation, I think, uh, is uh, is fortunate in in the sense that my generation, you know, if um, you know, if you didn't play sports or uh, you know, hook on with management, there were very few, you know, jobs within the sports space, right? Uh, And your generation, maybe because you know our culture is really crazy about sports and and crazy about mm-hmm. a lot of sports there's lots of opportunities if you're creative uh ambitious and mm-hmm. uh, willing to take some chances to kind of stay mm-hmm. in that that space but create something within that space yeah. and uh that didn't yeah. exist you know 30 40 years ago and uh, i heavily agree i heavily yeah. agree yeah 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 i mean i would definitely say we're blessed in that standpoint like i agree with you like there was a lot more responsibilities you guys have from a work standpoint as well. You know, people were getting very earlier, you know, it's a lot of different life things, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like a lot, of, a lot has happened creative, since this yes. guy, you know, was, was our age. A lot has happened. Well, oh, man. But, but, he, He's still I, young, man. He's still, what? He's still, you, what? He barely but I, I think now. your generation, um, and I admire this and I've said this to more than one of yeah. our guests. 
Um, I think yeah. your generation is is really uh, should be admired for your entrepreneurial spirit, your willingness to take chances, uh, to go out and, and create something. That was not kind of the mindset. Uh, maybe my generation. Maybe it's it's generational, definitely, but. I also think it's just yeah. it's who we, we want to like. These are people who who I fuck with. Like these are who people who I want to highlight. Like yeah. people are doing. Yeah, like you said you 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 created your own lane. I mean, I think I think that's something that you know. I have plenty of people I know who were involved in the game, loved the game, wanted to play pro. Yeah. Some shit happened where it didn't, and they're work. They're doing sales right now. Right, right. you know, they're doing yeah. some other shit because it's it's yeah. a different kind of um commitment and i mean i think just just going back to like um just going back to like wanting to stay in the game i think it's unique because i think i think you have a very unique path because like some people the having to not pursue a a professional opportunity Mm -hmm. sometimes that causes them to to go completely away they're like damn this this game has you know i'm not able to do what i want to do so i just want to get as far away as possible that's true so i think yeah, it's, yeah. you know mm-hmm. you, you took a very unique route in that you wanted to stay in but also create something uniquely yours you know and so yeah you know talk a little bit about when or just how you kind of navigated that you know finding career mm-hmm. paths within the game but also kind of managing that relationship to the game. And what what was that first thing after mm-hmm. school that you got into? Was it Nike or was it Kit Boys? Yeah, it was. Um, so at the time, actually, funny enough, I was working with Nike at probably my senior. I think that that the year I had surgery, I actually got a red shirt. Luckily, it was late in the game, but I actually got my red shirt cleared. So there was a lot of downtime. And uh, they had a brand experience store out here in Atlanta, which I also got to share my passion, obviously, for sneakers like, that 40% at Nike is is the best thing in the world. I wish I had it now. But, again, like, it was a way to kind of continue, like, and I think that was my first decision. I, like, if I had to pick another route, like, this, obviously, that was the A route. Like, yeah, go work for a sporting yeah. company. Like, obviously, that makes sense. But I think early on, going back to the to the path of it, for me, I think it, it was by chance. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people in my family, I will kind of go back a little further, too. A lot of people in my family come from the creative side of things. Like, there's a lot of artists, painters um and that that go on my side of the family my dad cut hair for a long time though that was just his thing and he was a very self-starter person as well so i i kind of do attribute that self-starting like if you're going to build your own lane like do it to, to you know to pops respectfully because you know i grew up watching him just you know he owned a barbershop he didn't just work his own one and it did well for us you know what i'm saying it, it made it made ends meet so you know i think the self-starting mentality kind of kicked in and then at the time when i was at clayton I did happen to stumble over a heat press. And I think this is where I kind of our stories kind of align a little bit. Yeah. Like you find a medium that's slightly different, but you're in the sporting environment. So yeah, it was just a random heat press in the locker room, old one probably that they had, you know, me, me being curious, I turned it on. I was like, all right, boom, it works. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, I end up just doing a little research and I found an old mom and pop store that, that cut vinyl, like right. the sports vinyl, like the stuff we do letters and stuff yeah. with, right? So I was like, ah, boom. I was like, all right. You know, I've always wanted to have like, from a design standpoint, like just like the sponsor where the sponsor sits on a Jersey. Like I wanted to have a, my own brand name. And at the time, I think this is when I first, this is like towards the tail end of my senior year where I was like, okay, 
if I had to build it, I always had it in the back of my mind. If I had to build it, what would the name be? And, you know, the kid boys was always just the one, it was the one, it just yeah. the, the identity described me and my homies, you know what I'm saying at the time. Yeah. So that's what we called each other. And, you know, of course, overseas in the locker room too, they call it kids. They don't call it jerseys. Yeah. And so that was a big influence as well. The, the European kids that come over here and play college, I was like, all right, I'm going to jack the yeah. lingo a little bit and we're going to run yeah. it this way. Yeah, so, yeah. um, so yeah, kind of, kind of at the round of the tail end of my senior, senior year, I was playing with the idea a lot. And then I ran into the heat press. And I ran into the heat press. I was like, okay, here's a moment to just try it, right? So, boom. Yeah. Took a couple months. I, you know, went to the mom and pops down the street. She cuts it by hand, you know, built a good relationship with her. She cut me my first vinyl, took it immediately back to Clay. And this was probably like 10 minutes away from the university, too. So, again, it's just a, the luck of the draw, I guess, in the situation yeah. of that. Because sometimes it's, it's, like the, it's like the Bill Gates being born like a mile away from the only from the, yeah. in the West Coast. Yeah. Like, you happen to be, you happen to have a heat press in your locker room, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was me. And I actually dug for that. I was looking for extra old gear, and I dug and found the heat press. And I was like, "All right, boom! I want to try it." So again, cool passion project. Let me try to get the sponsor. Boom! I got it cut by her. It wasn't too expensive. Came back, pressed it. I completely fucked up my first jersey. Like, and that's how I always love to tell that experience. Because like, I'm pulling off the vinyl. It's stuck. It's destroyed. I'm like, oh, I got a brand new. It was an old UV kit I had just had from the closet. Wasted the kit. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> boom! But you know, I was like, just like a yeah. or something. <laughs> right and i could see I, I was so excited last spent yeah. all the time doing the reshot i was like all right i'm ready to go so then again yeah jacked up the first uva kit i had a second one that was a third kick from like 05 in the final and i had a, probably another kit beyond that and i pressed those two and i just i just you know just handed them to my friends so i was like ah boom this is cool so from that the heat press experience became let me go find some old referee kits let me try to do something different it's not a jersey but obviously something that aligns with the sport all right boom tried the jersey kits I did like a small batch, maybe of those. And then like my friends always all wanted the, the, the referee yeah. jersey. So like that was the born identity of it, of, of the kid boys, how it came into fruition. So yeah, it was on the tail end of like, damn, I don't know what this lane is going to do. It's looking bleak for the continue as a pro because of the surgery was just so tough. Rehab was tough. It was an eight month surgery. Um, yeah, anyway, it was so the whole you're, process. You're, starting the, you're, you're pressing your kid boys logo that you had created on existing team jerseys not you know your your mm. college team but professional teams and, and yeah your, and your friends are digging it yeah and it was like um and to kind of uh kind of talk about that topic like uh in streetwear there's a thing where you bootleg a lot of things right like that was early conception of what streetwear was so me knowing that that's why i was like ah let me just put it on the like the the kiss already existed just yeah. because yeah it's like a bootleg way of bringing my brand to fish it, like the, like the OG origins of how street were started. So I was like, all right, let me do it that way. Um, and it made it easier to sell too, because sometimes create your own design up front and then having to like, it just is a bit tough. I mean, you have to build brand out, Yeah. There's, there's barriers. Yeah. I feel like there's mm -hmm. barriers to starting out that, I mean, like even, even now, like doing something as simple as like a podcast t-shirt, like at this mm -hmm. point we can, we can do that because we know the ins and outs of like a blank finding the, find a screen printer, printer. Graphic yeah. like all the, all these different things yeah. that add up to a finished product. We now know, but at the time it's like, mm. or at least th this is speaking for myself. Like I was very much into the same shit in college. Like I was, my sister mm -hmm. was, was plugged in at Adidas and I was getting like every crazy Adidas shoe. Ooh. So I was like very, Ooh. this was like yeah. peak easy Pharrell, mm -hmm. like, you know, so I was very much uh, you got all the good Yeah, it, it, bro, it was crazy. Um, so like <laughs> I was very much into it, but I, but at the same time, like huh. this is where I think I differ a little bit from you is that I was 
my identity was so much football mm. that I was like, damn, I'm into this other stuff, but like, I can't act on it. Cause that's like going too far out of the footballer box. And so, yeah, which, which looking yeah. back is like, I wish I was, I wish I leaned into more of that side of me at the time, but like, you think it's intimidating as fuck. Mm. Like, yeah, how, that's what it how is. do I, how do I make a t-shirt from scratch? That's intimidating versus like, Oh, if I have this and I can just print on it already, mm. that that's like a, it was the easy way in. You're able yeah. to enter, you know, or put your feet in the water and kind of see what it's like. And then from there, you're like, Oh, let me just find my own blank. Let me just, you know, create my own logo, mm-hmm. my own patch and make my own Jersey. Facts. You know? Facts. Facts. Were you yeah. selling those early jerseys that you created? Of course, yeah. I think, well, the first batch, obviously, I gave to friends, just, you know, the people who were like, you know, just the media homies, just to kind of see, you know, just from an interest standpoint. But then after that, you know, a couple of social media posts later, I was like, oh, I want one. All right, well, yeah, cool. Let me make a couple more. You know what I'm saying? It was just a quick way to do it. And again, these these runs at the time were probably just like 10 kits at a time. Nothing nothing yeah. heavy where it, it was, a, you know, too much against me. Plus, I had, you know, dozens and hundreds of kids in the closet anyway. So I was like, you know, I might as well make use of all these kids that be sitting here. Um, and so it made it, yeah, it made an easy decision, I would say. Okay. So when, so when did this kind of, you know, you, you liked the name Kit Boys, you, you started branding jerseys. Mm-hmm. When did this become like, okay, this is, this is going to be a brand that I start. And mm-hmm. what, what were your goals when you started it? Um, and how did it kind of evolve? How did you, you know, earn a, earn a living or earn a livelihood after school yeah. while you were, you know, building this brand or, or how did you prioritize those two things when you're like, cause you know, seeing where Kit Boys is now and where it's going, yeah. like, I think sky's the limit, you know, like yeah, I, when yeah. I saw Kit Boys from the jump, I'm like, yo, this is, and this is one mm-hmm. of the reasons why I think we resonate is because I saw it and I was like, yo, there's, there's a space for this and this has a huge potential, yeah. you know? And so mm-hmm. what did you think when you were first starting it of what it could be? And then at the yeah. same time, you're like, oh shit, I just left college. Like I also got to like, you know, pay rent yeah. while also yeah. building this brand. The, the proverbial yeah. day job. Yeah, that's the proverbial day job. The yeah. one we love and hate, boy. You know what I'm saying? But like <laughs> oh I said, God, again, it's yeah. so the one we love and hate, but I mean, I think for me, I think for me, it was a time where I was, again, I think, cause I was so into the streetwear alignment. I knew the immediate transgression was like, okay. Or the immediate transition at least was to, okay, let's see what the brand thing looks like. Originally I was going to start it by myself and I always tell people, this is kind of like the, the catalyst in my journey too. It was like, I was like, originally I was like, damn, I'm just going to start it myself, try to thug it, you know, figure it out. You know, from there, I was like, damn. And, and to your point earlier, I was like, yo, there's a bunch of my homies who are going through the same mental identity shift that I am, you know, from various levels. You know, my boy DJ just got sent to Chicago shout Fire, out, you know, a couple DJ. of the homies. Shout out to DJ, man. Shout out yeah. to DJ. You know, early on, he, me and him were spearheading just product. and He's such a product wiz, man. Like, if you got to yeah. DJ, we played together in Academy. We were in Atlanta, too, um, before I went to school. But... Yeah, he's such a product wiz, and I like I had him in my corner, and I was looking at a lot of my homies. I was like, dang, I was like, there's a lot of us going through this, and for me, this is what made me jump. Kind of, you know, the jump is always the hardest thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we're in a, a generation where we're allowed to jump, but the jump is still a, a very, very hard thing to do. I think at the time I was like, damn, there's so many people that around me that I knew needed just something else to, buy, you know, just to even get into that just wasn't a nine to five. I was like. Right. I talked to my brother about it. My I have my little brother, he lives with me now. And um, he was like, um, 
yeah, why don't we just do the, do it with all the homies? And there was a lot of homies who had creative passions, similar to probably your situation. It's like, yeah. there's a couple of homies who have a few creative passions. It's like, okay, the brand can help everyone. And when I figured out that point of it, I was like, that was like the thing that made me go every day was the fact that like, I could potentially help somebody beyond me or just the immediate homies get to something different or fine, yeah. or at least not just suffer in that process. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, it's a very, very hard thing. And so, yeah, my brother was like, yo, why don't we do it with the, with the homies? And that's all he, once he said that, I, I, I built one big group text. I was like, yo, I'm, you know, you guys seen what I've been doing lately, you know, lately, you know, I, I think, you know, this could really benefit all of us. Like everybody in the group chat, just, if you want to be down, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just need the help and we could all do things together. And, you know, everybody was with it at the time because everybody was going through the same thing. We don't know what's next. So it's like, okay, we'll have a day job, but we need to do something, right? So, right. yeah, from there, man, like, it was a big – we had one of my homies, uh, uh, Derek, had a basement, and we used to meet in his basement every week. I used to build an agenda. I was like, all right, these are the things we we doing. This is what's how – and I was ready. Like, because it was so easy to step in that position because, again, I think personality driven by me, it was like, damn, I can affect somebody's other, somebody else's life and really show them a different side of the sport that, yeah. or a different lane of the sport that could really benefit them. So, yeah, the early stages was that. Like, as soon as, as, soon as the brand got big enough to where I was like, all right, I feel like I want to do the brand, make the brand decision. Right. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I got the homies together, and it was agenda. I got everybody in that basement every Friday, every Saturday. This time, you know what I'm saying, everybody showed up, and for weeks on end, it was that to start it. And that was really what kind of built the energy for it early on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but can I think I sorry to interrupt, but can I ask you a weird kind no, no. of dad question? No, honey. This is a quintessential dad oh, question. Goodness. Um, I, love it. I know that um, in college, you were not only a good yeah. soccer player, but you were a good student, uh, uh, all academic yeah. team. To a dad, that's really yeah. important. That's, you know, that's no, what it's all about. It. but I know, I yeah. also know, uh, you know, obviously you took school seriously, but you were a, a business major. You, you focused yeah. on business. Uh, I saw mm. did yeah. my, my weird dad question is, uh, did mm. any of the stuff you learned in school, you studied in school, great question. Yeah. Uh, did any of that translate ooh. into what you were doing or what you're currently doing? I had a similar question, I, but it, was, it wasn't a dad question, but it was just going to be like, you know, <clears throat> like what are, what are some of the things you learned actually starting a brand? Uh -huh. I was curious. So no, that's a great question, Dad. Great question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me. I'll start. Yeah. I'll start. I'll start with past question. Um. Yeah. I'll say yes a little bit, but not a lot of it, just because the creative industry was so much different than the business way they yeah. teach you about it. You know what I'm saying? So I think early on, the biggest key things, especially from school, was just like the marketing aspect, like the general idea of marketing, because it's such a loose term. You know, especially nowadays, it's a very, very loose term. You can market in so many different ways, but. I think just the just the fundamentals of it, yes, it did help. I'll say from that standpoint. And then obviously I think there was a capstone class where the, the class was all based on like a simulation where you had to like build a business from scratch and work on like six different areas. One was HR, one was um marketing, one was you know, actual human capital. Like that was a yeah. simulation we had to go. I, that was probably the most beneficial thing from an oversight standpoint, that capstone class and then just general marketing because I think, was it a lot? I wouldn't say it was a lot. It probably like 25, 30%, especially the foundations of it. Cause I never got too deep into it. I just wanted to play ball. Like honestly, yeah. the business degree was a decision because I hated math. And that was the only degree that I didn't require to go with calculus and all this other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know business, business is easy. So like, yeah. let me just do the degree and, and get my, you know, and play ball still. And I got to play, you know, all those years. But 
Um, it ended up turning to be a good foundational tool. And, you know, a lot of people say like, nah, college, nah, technically, yeah, there was a lot of people I knew that I built relationships with, for example, um, in those business classes. And then just, yeah, just a general foundation allowed me to kind of, it just gave me the box so I can get outside of the box too. You know what I'm saying? From a brand standpoint. And I think that was probably the most valuable part to it. Yeah. And I'll say, cool. I was trying to work into the conversation that in addition to your soccer, you're all academic. Yeah, he was just trying that, to get that. that in. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you yeah. asked me to, you asked me to get that in somehow work yeah. it in. So that's where I thought I was working in. Seiko. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, I, I, I low key, key want to answer this question too. Cause, um, yeah. you know, I'm in a, I feel like, I mean, obviously you started Kip boys a while back, but we're, we're obviously yeah. in our, you know, early stages with NSC, but mm-hmm. I mean, when I hear you say thirty percent, you work on your posture. So, oh, did you show? I need no, I need the T. Look, I was just on top match of this pocket ends. Was like, yo, I need a T at yeah. some like at some no. point. Like, it's a we'll muscle. get you. We'll get you. We we may have to do an exchange. You know, because that's could, fine. Look, however, we need boys. to. Um, yeah. But just like, I mean, I, I studied business as well. I was a finance major, <clears> um, and I don't know. I think maybe. It, I mean, bro, look, looking back, like, or thinking back at some of the like projects I did and classes I took, like, yeah. like f- for some reason I was going through my old computer and like, I opened up one of my old, like, cases. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like, I did this shit. Like, it was like, I mean, some of these like operations management information systems, like, you know, different, mm-hmm. um, you know, crazy supply chain management class and like, Logistics is another one. The logistic I mean, class, yeah. A lot of the stuff, very useful, but it's all out of my brain at this point. Like I'm gonna just keep it real. Mm, all of I, these, all of that shit is gone. And I don't know if it was because um that's the thing. Even when I was a kid, mm. I'd say I want to play professional soccer and I want to be a CEO. So I always knew out of a young age that I wanted to be like I mm. wanted to run my own business. That was something that's always been a goal. And yet yeah. for some reason, even when I was in college. Like, I don't know if I, for some reason, I don't feel like I took enough agency over like, yeah. Hey, yeah. you want to, you want to run your own business at some point, learn the very mm-hmm. basic steps. Like I took these classes and, you know, got good grades and a finance degree, but like yeah. now, now where I am today, obviously I think I, I agree. There's a foundation that was set in terms of basic yeah. business principles of like, you know, your revenue should exceed your expenses and you know, all these, you feel me like simple yeah. shit like that. But like in terms mm-hmm. of running a business, I mean, like we have, we we're working with an architect. We're working with a law firm. We're working with um, real different real realtors. We have insurance. Yeah. Liability. We we're, we're, we're getting pressed about tax mm-hmm. issues. We, we just did numbers. Yeah. On some t-shirts, but apparently we weren't collecting tax. I hope the IRS is yeah, yeah, paying yeah. it back. We're paying Look. it back. We're paying it there's back. A, no, there's a there's a way around that. We we can talk a lot about that alcohol, but there's a way around that. As you yeah. know, how taxes go, there's always a way. Yeah. Yeah, but just like I mean, I think Navi. Once you once you fill out the paperwork for your LLC yeah. or start a business, there's no how to or hey, Mm-mm. we're gonna send you a reminder. This is when taxes are due. This you need to do when you do this. You need a liability waiver. You need insurance. So like you know, how have you navigated just the growth of a business from a, you know, yeah. you, you being the head of this, like that all, it all yeah. comes to you. You're the one that has to answer all those questions. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely like yeah. really cool to learn it, but just how has that experience yeah. been, you know? Um, 
the best way I can say this is fail forward, man. Like, yeah. And that's why I say a lot of the, the, especially from my end, like I always go back to like my parents, my pops went to school, but he didn't finish. My mom was first generation. There was a lot of general knowledge from that. I didn't even know from a, a high level, like even know what this is since. Right. So like the business did, the business courses did help, but a lot of the other stuff, like, for example, knowing how to handle taxes with t-shirts and a, and a blank manufacturer, you know, I end up finding like, the best manufacturers always needed an EIN. Then I dug into an EIN yeah. to figure like, ah, that's the tax ID you need to obviously, exactly. you know, report everything and go that way. So I think for me is like, and the one thing, the one big thing, especially really unique to me, I think, and I always give myself credit is like, I was willing to do the work to study and figure it out. Like it took a dumb long time. It took hours and hours of like, and I, like, again, I always tell people I've never been afraid of the 10,000 hours ever. You know what I'm saying? Like ever. Ever. So like whenever it was something I needed, if either I was going to fail my way forward to learn it or, you know, I was going to spend the time just diligently searching it. Like even when I found that first bottle lady, probably went through months of just hitting everybody up around Atlanta, like yeah. who can do this at a low enough price for me to, make, you know, even make sense. So, yeah, I, I have a really diligent with details and kind of figuring things out that kind of helped me from a personality standpoint. But I think, yeah, man, like it's still a failure, fails you learn process. And I hate to be like that, but it is even with this amount of time, it's like, there's just certain things you're not going to know, or you might not have the person around you that has the expertise, but at the same time, it's like, my pops always told me it was never an excuse to succeed. You know what I'm saying? From that standpoint. So like, yeah, I just had to, I had to fail for it on a lot of that, Max. I like a lot to, and you know, you learn, learn a lot of hard lessons, but again, like you don't, you don't really make the same mistake twice neither. You know what I'm saying? So there's always a benefit, you know? You studied at the uh, University of Kit Boys. Yeah, come on with it. Look, that's that and uh, shout out to shout out to uh, YouTube University as well. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Wish absolutely wish you'd had that one around, boy. That that yeah. made everything all the difference. Yeah. yeah. No, I I agree. Yeah. I think I think that you know there's a common theme with a lot of you know people who we've spoken with, or just even when mm-hmm. I just listen to other people who have been successful in building their own, like you said, building their own lanes. It's like. Yeah. there's for for most people there's no blueprint there's no this is how you do it obviously mm-hmm. with certain resources you're provided information but like i mean i just this is a little corny i just reposted some shit on ig today right before it's like mm-hmm. the biggest failure is not trying like the only thousand way percent. you're gonna like learn anything or get anything done is if you try mm-hmm. if it works great if it doesn't work you're going to know a lot more about how to make it work mm-hmm. than if you just were like, eh, you know, Amen. Amen. and Amen. so I mean, even just like in this, even in this very early stage that we are with NSC, you know, it's been a mm-hmm. little over a year now. Like we had a meeting probably, let me see how, how long ago, nine months ago, probably with yeah. uh, a financial advisor, family friend, who's like very successful uh, in venture mm-hmm. capital and, and been CFO for a ton of companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he pretty much like was like tried to scare. He, he literally said like, I'm this is going to be intended to scare you because if you knew how much work you had to do in front of you, you know, chances yeah. are you wouldn't, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah. You yeah. wouldn't have done it. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't have done like, it to begin with. Yeah. And so you, ha- you have to, like you said, you have to be willing to put in those 10,000 hours because at yeah, the end of the day, yeah. when you start something, when, when you're one of the people who creates something, if you're not moving it forward, it's not moving forward. It's, it's, you know, obviously if you have a team or whatever, like different people to help, like that helps. Delegate, yeah. 
if, if you are the one leading the way and wanting to try and move something and evolve something, if you're not mm-hmm. working, it's not going to work. So I think just that baseline knowledge of like, it's going to take a lot of work and accepting that is the difference between people who are able to build something and people who are like, Oh yeah, I started this thing. And then like, it kind of fizzled out. Cause yeah, it was too much work. You know, the big divider. That's why I call it the big divide really. Yeah. And, and then the grand scheme of things, you know, so for people, it's a, so. it's a testament. I mean, I think it's a testament to where you are now with it. I mean, that mm-hmm. you started this in what year was it? 20, 2019 18 19 yeah, yeah. 18 so, yeah I mean, 18 yep spring yeah. semester and this can kind of research yeah research yeah like, hey yeah. man y'all better, better than our work <laughs> <laughs> and 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 this can kind of so yeah it's a testament to how much work you've put in these last few years mm-hmm. but also you know just looking back at what you've done like those are this has been a few years and you've already done like some super super dope shit yeah and and, and i feel like you're not even scratching the surface which is that much more exciting Mm. so you know talk Mm. a little bit about some of the things that you have been able to do like what this i think Mm. i feel like again we're similar in that we want a Mm. brand to be able to like it's a vehicle to do a lot of things to express yourself Mm -hmm. a lot of different creative mediums whether that be getting a kit doing a different camp, a video campaign, a photo shoot, you know, a collaboration Mm -hmm. with Umbro. Like there's so many different Mm -hmm. things that a brand allows you to do and express. You can send a message through a brand, you know, you can can touch different lives through a brand. Um, People think a brand is just like, Oh, you're slapping a logo on a t-shirt. It's like, (laughs) it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. So, you know, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what, what the brand has allowed you to do and some of the cool things. I mean, I mentioned the Umbro collab, but just like, and I think, you know, you've done some work with Atlanta United. Um, Mm -hmm. What has, what are some cool things that the brand has allowed you to do? And, Mm -hmm. you know, what are some things that you're looking forward to kind of um, exploring as you continue to grow? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, just from the top line, like the brand allowed me to have another spirit that I knew I might have not had, you know, besides the game, you know what I'm saying? So just even yeah. from the spirit of who I am as a person, you know what I'm saying? My identity, it was shifting that a lot when I had created it. So it allowed me to live in that, that kind of spirit of things, you know what I'm saying? And really, because I, I really have a lot of specific viewpoints, I'll say, on a lot of different things. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's a lot of th- just things in general that have to do with the goodwill, you know, really about me, but not not necessarily. It's really about the community, the people around me, you know what I'm saying, how that affects, like, that was always a catalyst. So it allowed me to build that bridge, you know, for so many different things that I didn't have, you know, otherwise. And I think, yeah, you know, a lot of it was going back to where, we, you know, where I started with the, with the homies, like, a lot of it was in that band of, like, damn, I could even show them that the nine to five, isn't necessarily the route outside we playing ball. Cause I love these boys. Like a lot of my, a lot of my, even a lot of the boys, even DJ, we played all the way when we were kids through high school. Like that's 10 years worth of a relationship. So yeah. I became, you know, it's a real, it's a different type of bond. when you have friends that long. And for me, like it allowed me to live that. The brand allowed me to create that spirit to just, again, if it's not impacting them or just giving them another lane, you know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, that was part of it. I think early on the projects, the projects for me was the most fun part. I think as well, you know, especially with, you know, you mentioned the Lane United situation. I think that was like my first big break, quote unquote, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The um, the head of marketing at the time was this this lovely young lady named Skate, man. And uh, she actually sat me and my mother uh, kind of like front row in the MLS Cup that Atlanta United won. 
And that was the first time I got to take my mom anywhere or even experience that. So like, you know, shout out to her. I love her so much. She's the head of global marketing at Adidas right now, I think, for North America. So she's a big spot. And um, Do you guys still have relationships? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. It is really. It is relationships. It, it is. But I, I, especially to a lot of the time, especially speaking of the Land United Project, a lot of that was was just my overall network, too. So, you know, I started there, kind of lived through those projects. I think the Jack Harlow situation came from that. The, the Flocka situation came from that. Yo, so, uh, so actually, funny, know funny story. You know, Jack, all right, yeah. So that's early, early doors. So you know, at, when I was working at Nike, and this is a crazy story I tell about Waka Flock. When I was working at Nike at the time, my manager, I think he might have knew like his entourage with Flocka. Because you know, once you're in East Atlanta, everything's like this. Like yeah. you know, what I'm saying everybody comes from the same spot. So it was, it was one of the situations where he was like, "Yo," he was seeing what I was doing at Nike, and he was like, "You know, everybody was like, yeah, you're doing your own thing and working, and that's cool. Let me see if I can help you." So. You know, that was a relationship there. Dude, they, Flocka wanted a custom cut and sew piece. He was like, can you just do it for him? Or like, he needed something. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, calm. Because yeah. he, was, he was really tightly closely with Elaine Knight at the time. And then, bro, I probably drove all over Georgia to find his size. And I think it was a football soccer jersey mix. All right, no, actually, let me let me back up. That first project with Skate at Elaine United was to do a, a marketing project for the home opener for Elaine United and the Falcons. Okay. And Skate had seen my work because I, I, and I got in trouble for this, but originally I had some of the Lenny United 2 boys wear like a jersey I designed and it kind of yes. came off as an official thing and it came too big. So, but then Skate, you know, that's why I say Skate was like everything because like she could have just sued me or kind of like was like, yo, get out of here or beat it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But she was like, nah, I got this marketing project. You seem like you got some talent. Let you know, try to work on here. She reached out to me, brought me in her office and I, I couldn't believe that day. I was like, holy shit, like I'm here type of deal it was one of those surreal moments so again it was a soccer and a football jersey mix and me i was like this is probably the corniest project ever she didn't know that and i didn't tell her that but like what do i look like doing some type of project but i'm not gonna turn that down hell no nah. yeah so i did it and i found the best way to do it and actually came out really really well now the only reason that project didn't go through at the time was because the mls is obviously ran by adidas and the con the current contract from the nfl was nike so they couldn't officially release that project because of that last detail, it went all the way to the top and they were like, ah, Uh. right. So, and then, so from there, obviously the Flocka situation came. Flocka, I don't know if Flocka had seen it, da-da-da. He was like, yo, can you build that jersey for him? I was like, yeah, bro. And he's like, he needs it in two days. I was like, two days? I was like, shit, well, I drove an hour down south. There was, he needed a double XL and a specific jersey. I had to drive all the way down south. I drove... North Marietta or near Atlanta United to obviously get the United kid off the skate. And I was yeah. like, all right, boom. I got it cut and sold in a day. Shout out to my homie Manolo in Atlanta. He cut and sold it for me quick. Nice. And um, I just happened to be at this agency party for the MLS Cup. And little little did I know, I was wearing a jersey, obviously. You know what I'm saying? From the brand standpoint. I'm yeah. sitting on the couch. I'm playing FIFA. Flocka walks up right here to me. He just, it was like an awkward pause. Like, damn, this is crazy. He's right here. <laughs> all of a sudden, he, he turns over. He goes... Yo, that jersey kind of fire. I said, <laughs> bro, little did you know, like, I spent all yeah. the last 24, 48 hours trying to get you said jersey. So, yeah. before that story, I had to call my manager. He actually, I gave him the jersey already. I had to call my manager. He was in the middle of getting wings, you know, lemon pepper wings in Atlanta is like yeah. the staple food. You know what I'm saying? So, he had to leave his order to come bring me the jersey, and I handed Flock with the jersey wow. that day. And that was one of the catalyst projects. And then Jack yeah. Harlow's homie, obviously, is a big Chelsea fan. And that was really cool. I'm cool with a lot of the, obviously the producers and the rapper homies out here in Atlanta. It's a big music city. 
Yeah. I was able to do a project for Jack Harlow. And then uh, there was just a bunch of just really underground projects that I got off early that kind of like put a lot of just momentum into everything, if I'm being honest. And then, yeah, yeah. from there, the kind of, the projects kind of came downhill because I was like busting through every project and everyone was kind of a success. Like it was just, I kind of met the right timing of things too because Eleni and I yeah. was in the front, like soccer was in soccer city. It was a lot going on. Um, and I just kind of wrote every wave that got carried to me, if I'm being honest, from uh, from an underground state. If that answers yeah, when, the question, when I you talk about it. projects, yeah. when you talk about projects, yeah. I mean, we know what you're talking about, but you're, mm-hmm. the projects you're creating, designing uh, kind of your own soccer yeah. kits or jerseys, correct? Yeah. For, by mm-hmm. and large? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The only other one that was different was, yeah, the Flocker project, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's. I love that. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. that's the best way to. I'm actually I'm actually going to quote you. This is this is a very narrative. Right. But I I feel like this is like super. I mean, just encompassing of all of this, and I feel like very much mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do too. This is a quote. We were just kids trying to do cool shit. None of us went to the design school or film school, but there's beauty in that okay. aesthetic. It's raw and authentic. I mean, bro, I feel like that's. Hey man, that's, that's the like, one. That's, that's the one. That's what we're all trying to do. Like we're just trying to do cool mm-hmm. shit with our friends. That's that's real, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. you know, and it comes off that way, and I, and it does come off that way. And that's yeah. why I always I, I I love using that. That was one of the favorite. Honestly, I keep that quote for myself too. I look back no, on that I'm, a lot. I'm too. gonna use it. I'm gonna. I mean, I feel like I've said a, a similar version of it, but like that's yeah. like I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's the goal right there. And so I mean, mm-hmm. you've been able to do some of these super super dope projects um yeah. and obviously we we started off with kind of what you're involved with now and you're obviously working for four soccer ventures what's where's mm-hmm. kit boys now and kind of where do you see it going yeah. and then we can kind of talk a little bit about kind of just like the the current state of american soccer we could talk about a little bit of that after. Yeah. but just uh, kind of like where okay. like where are you with kit boys because i know I saw something yeah. recently, or I forget how long ago it was, where you guys were mm-hmm. doing some form of crowdfunding um, mm-hmm. for, for a brick and mortar location, right? Mm-hmm. Or just in, correct to, studio, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. for a studio, more so like a like a studio, but obviously it allocates just a space of it, obviously for anybody right. wanting to come and shop. I think is you to it's unique to kind of have the the multidisciplinary space, like uh, like Kid Super has it on a T shirt where he has this underground spot he's trying to build in New York. Where it's like, yeah, it's a playing field on top, but then it's also a design studio. It's also a cut and sew part. It's also retail. You know what I'm saying to an extent. Yeah. I think because of the world, the way the world works now, it's like that to me is like the ultimate proof of concept. I've seen it in different lanes, obviously, yeah. but yeah. And I think going back to the club, I think it's for me. It's like I realized I had so much potential, but there was a lot of things that, from a foundational sense, that couldn't move forward to scale. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, for me, a lot of it was like okay, manufacturing has to be different. Like if I want to create a certain identity, I took a long time to learn cut. And so kind of like a, a rapper, it takes a long time to like learn how to make beats. Like that for me yeah. was the process. Like I knew I had to master that in order to reach an even higher level because there was only so much I could have gone at where, where it kind of right. got built at. And it kind of goes back to the point of like, hey, we just cobbled it together. Sometimes it'd be to a detriment at times, obviously, you know what I'm saying? You cobbled yeah. it together. There's certain foundations that weren't set the right way. And for nice. me- you know, I took I took a good time to reset the foundations. So, you know, in speaking of the Kid Boys Club now, it's like it's in such a beautiful re-infancy state. Like it's it's almost perfect for me. Like yeah. every a lot of the processes, like from logistics supply chain, are now set up and suited and ready to go. I think from an experiential standpoint, one thing I like in Nike is everything's experienced. Everything is the five senses from a brand standpoint. So, like yeah. 
you know, how I activate in the community, what it looks like how, when I activate in the community, you know what I'm saying? When it, when it comes to how the people touch, see, feel my product, touch and see, feel me at a pop-up, for example, like all those different kind of components, I got super detail oriented and I almost kind of like, not to say blank slated it, but almost like I had to reconfigure it, if that makes sense. So right now, like I'm about to finish out the year that intern at FSV always, I started as an intern at FSV and that was cool. And I learned a lot of the processes or at least I always tell people like, I never knew what the, the training ground was supposed to feel like or what it looked like or what the level was. But right. that part of my experience did help me understand, okay, this is how it looks from this creative standpoint. Because again, yeah. it's such an unorthodox business. It, it made money in so many different ways. It, it had to be a different type of foundation. So got back to the drawing board on a lot of different things. You know, obviously COVID and production was a big shift in a lot of things. Right. So I had a good place there and then I had to chop it and reset there. So I mean, there's a lot of different setbacks there. But for me, I think was about getting all the way back into this rare infancy state where I can then scale through the roof. Cause I knew yeah. there's going to be a time where all this shit collides. Obviously we have a world cup in what, three years, four years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, that to me is like, I have a new four way, four year runway to kind of like yeah. go to the ground with everything, execute, execute, execute. So I took yeah. the later half of COVID years and kind of like the top of this year to really just like make sure everything's in place, everything's in place and everything starts to the way it needs to be. So I think for me, yeah, the, the club is really getting to just, I get to really show people what the 10 hours and 10,000 hours really, really, really looks like, you know what I'm saying? And again, sometimes it's, it took a long time, but again, sometimes people just allocate that process to somebody else. Or like, for me, I think my leadership is going to help out where I've understood every dynamic of how this thing needs to work. And I'm like fluent in it to where I can speak to it. I can do it. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to building, even building the internal team, it makes everything that much easier. And I just took the time to like, Hey, I understood, like, I came at it halfway. I knew only a little bit. I made a lot yeah. of it. But again, if it needs to go, the sky's the limit type of, it had to be better. And I knew that. And I knew that. So, yeah, yeah for me, we're at this rare infancy stage in a lot of different manufacturing processes overseas and actually locally here in Mexico, um, which nice. is super cool. And then experiential, experiential is everything. Like, like shout out to you at NSC because that's a big, big component, the playing component of it. You know, yeah. for me, it's like there's probably – four or five different pillars I want to kind of activate as a brand. And I've kind of just laid the foundation for all four of those. So it's like probably looking here in the next month or two, I'm really going to start just, this is what the 10,000 hours look like yeah. and, and just seeing how it goes from there. So yeah. fun, fun place. Like I'm super excited about it. It's been a lot of work, but man, I just know it's going to be worth every single yeah. cent in time spent trying to figure that out. So this, this, yeah. this is yeah. sort of a nuts and bolts question, but you, you're, yeah. you come up, with a, a new line every so often of, you know, yep. your streetwear. Um, mm-hmm. And how is it sold? Uh, obviously, Kit Boys has a, um, a website, mm-hmm. right? But do you yep. sell it through magazines? Do you have pop-ups? Magazines? You... Well, I mean, uh, uh, was it? Uh... Hey, I mean, no, it, it makes sense. Like I... the blog era. Actually, let me, yeah. let, me um, let me plug in my charger real quick so I make sure you don't yeah. cut off on us. Oh, we're good. I didn't mean magazines. I mean, catalogs. East, like East Bay? No, magazines. Catalogs. Is, magazine is true, though. No, no, it's true. It's true. Well, Thank you, Shaco. You know how Hype, you know how Hype Beast is like yeah. a blog, but like yeah, Hype Beast yeah. magazine is like a, yeah. yeah. So yeah, how do you sell your stuff? I think, yeah, I mean, e-commerce and direct-to-consumer purchasing is everything nowadays. And that's yeah. the easiest way, obviously. You can go direct-to-consumer very easily through Shopify and kind of building a platform, making sure your website straight from there. I think for me, a lot of what I build is what I would kind of call or what people call now is like a cultural currency, for example. So like 
a lot of what I've done from a foundational level is like just really commit this authentic experience to where I garnered a lot of respect for what I do and how I do it because I just pay attention to a lot of the details. So there's a, we, we all used to call it word of mouth marketing, but I, for me, it's like I built enough of a cultural currency where it's like, it's almost like this infinite buzz. And we, what we see with a lot of streetwear companies is like Supreme will never fall. Like it got to the point where venture capitalists had to step in and hand them half a, half a billy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To keep going, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it is a testament of 10 years of just cultural currency they built in their city and kind of how it works. So for me, it's, it's twofold. It's twofold. It's obviously doing, you know, the releases is like your own form of marketing. I did cut and sew like crazy cut and sew pieces. We did one for World Soccer Shop, for example, where it's just yeah. like, it's a marketing piece. It's a one-on-one piece, but I, could, I call them marketing pieces because that's what they really do. They break the internet. And that's what they're yeah. for. It's like mm-hmm. an inverse way of marketing. And then usually that gets on the blogs or what you would say, a magazine, for example. Um, you get a couple of features. You just do all the like underground work you need. That's a lot of my like catalyst. And then, yeah, direct to consumer. It makes it easy. Yeah. I just capitalize on just the, the raw, authentic love that I get from that standpoint. And then, yeah, and it kind of yeah. works itself from there. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, bro... I feel like a broken record saying this, but like they're just so so many so many parallels to to what you know we're we're doing and looking to build you know similarly um like especially right now where you know just a little bit of context of like what we're doing um and and the parallels like we have the goal of opening a a space you know two five aside everything a cafe bar retail mm-hmm. space similar to what you were saying with the kids super where it's like this is somewhere to activate somewhere where people to come somewhere where all these different mm-hmm. intersections meet, you know, but like until we have that space, you know, there's, there's a limited way to monetize what we're doing. So mm-hmm. one, of, one of those things is through merchandise, you know, t-shirts, but like mm-hmm. for the, for the vast or not for the vast majority, but for every other aspect of these yeah. um, pop-ups, these experiences, everything is for free. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is everything that you are coming to experience is provided for free, except we're, we're offering mm. a t-shirt, you know, for sale. So yeah, it's like, sure. yeah. yes, we, we may be operating, you know, well, I don't even want to say it a loss because we get creative with different forms of, of brand sponsors, oh, yeah. different ways to yeah. leverage these relationships and what we have mm. in that cultural currency to make it not at a loss, but it's not like we're doing these things and bringing in tons of money. But what we are doing is creating a culture, creating mm. a community and so that Community, you know, yes, when the time comes, that can be activated on a different level, you know, when we have the space. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think what you're building is, is very much real. And, and that's why, that's why yeah. I was able to see what you were doing from Oakland mm-hmm through social media and be like, damn, like I want, I want to be part of this community. Like I want to buy a t-shirt because I want to support this community and be part of it. Cause you're creating a culture, you're creating a community. So I think not everybody sees it that way. You know, a lot of people are like, yo, how can I, how can I, how can I maximize my profitability right now? And it's like, yeah, you, you you can make a little bit more money off this, whatever next release, but that may not that may be the end of your brand because you have no community yeah. or culture within that that's real, you know. So I I, I mean you hit an nail on the head. I think for me, I think it's one of the biggest things. Is like, and I always I hate to I hate to use Supreme as the example, but there's only one Supreme. There's only one Supreme, and nobody has the foothold yeah. like Supreme. Like you would argue that there might even be businesses forty, fifty, sixty years old that still don't have the influence and foothold as a Supreme would have. And it's just a testament to the 
the kind of foundational level work. Like you might have to be at a loss for a year, two years. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the IRS technically gives you like two years, three years it's to report the loss. Yeah, you know so what I'm saying? So, you know, even for, yeah, yeah. So you're good from that standpoint. It's like, how do you commit the experience at such an empathy state to where you leave that lasting impression? Like, and if it comes at a loss, some people don't really understand that, but it's about what it's worth in the evolution of things. And a lot of people don't really have that, that longer vision to it. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be Apple if it wasn't for the same ideology. It wouldn't be Nike if it was like Nike gave away free running shoes at every college track event in, in Oregon for years on end. You know, they gave them away. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's yeah. just to the experience of what needs to be created. And I kind of understood that at a, at a foundational level. I knew it was going to be long. If it got to take me 20, it don't matter. Like, yeah. I'll get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. at the end of the day. No, I, I I credit you for that or recognizing that at such an early stage because it it shows for sure. And I think, yeah. um, you know, this kind of leads me into my next question. We can, we don't yeah. have to go too much longer. Honestly, we could have like a part two and part three of this. Look, year. Like, however, yeah. however, look, however y'all want to do it. I'm here. I got nothing but time. So however but, you want to um, do it, no worries. But no, I just feel like I honestly I'm just like wanting to chop it up about this right now. But like, yeah. Yeah. You talk about having that four four year runway to the next World Cup and a World Cup that's yeah. going to be in the US. So it's like, I mean, that's a that's a very unique time and opportunity for um soccer related business, especially um culture and community centered business. Where like where do you think the current kind of climate of American mm. soccer is in terms of those two things, culture and community mm. and where do you think we are and like, where do you think we're going? And, you know, this is something mm. just to add a little bit into that. Like this is something I talked to Raheem. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of intersections yeah. of what we talk about, but like, That's not dog, man. I love we're out of, yeah, I know me too, bro. Um, we're at a point <laughs> where like yeah. soccer culture in America. It really hasn't been formed or shaped. Like there's this idea. And that's of what the hardest part of the business. Man. Yeah. And so I feel like we're at this point and this is, this is what's very um, exciting to me, especially here in Oakland, because like there, there's nothing, I mean, obviously there's the roots, but like in terms of broad culture, like there's nothing yet that has really been shaped. And so like, I feel like we're at a unique time where we, we can shape that, you know, and we can have the influence, you know, like through, through brands and through companies, you know, through fashion, through activations, um, where we can actually mm-hmm. shape it and make it unique. Because I feel like in other countries, soccer is their culture. You know, soccer well is developed. Yeah, well developed. The US, yeah. obviously, it's, we're, we're such a different country, but like soccer has never been like the dope, cool thing. But now it's like starting to gain a lot more popularity. Obviously, the World Cup coming, like people mm-hmm. within other sports spaces are starting to see like damn soccer actually is really dope like you just have to look at it the right way you know or like be tapped in with the right people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so i feel like we're low-key we can be those people you know so i think just kind of curious perspective you know yeah i think um it's unique because i've always seen this especially when i started the brand way way long ago like at a and it's, it's honestly the hardest part about this business is we still have to commit what soccer is on a mainstream level. Like it's hard to even do it. It's like an early entrant, for example, or a blue right. ocean strategy, for example. It's the same, it's the same similar vein. I've seen it done in tidbits. So that, that was encouraging. Yeah, it was always done in tidbits, man. And I didn't get why people went fully into it. It was like, it's the world's game. It's the biggest audience. You're looking at marketing dollars. That's the biggest thing upstairs. 
I think for me, it's like I was willing to bet on even before we had that World Cup or we got the bid. I was betting on that moment. Like, I, I, to be honest, I bet on the whole moment of it. Like, there was going to be a time where it was going to kind of shift. And, like, I mean, if skateboarding could have done that for – and I hate – fuck, I hate doing this with Supreme. But, like, if skateboarding did that for Supreme, imagine what the world's biggest audience would do for something in a similar vein. Like, right. that was my hypothesis about the whole brand situation. The only real reason I was willing to even jump at it. Like, and, and even even now that that, that, that that World Cup that we got the bid, I was like – that's the moment. Like I tell people all the time, I was like, I got four years till I'm out of here. Like the growth is going to be so explosive. Like it ain't going to make sense. But again, there's going to need, you know, people moving in and shifting it the right way. There's going to need people, you know, who have businesses in it to help it prolong it and, and develop itself. Like there's so many needs for once that moment happens, but yeah, it's going to be like the hugest thing in the world. And it, I mean, we're seeing it now converge kind of crazy now that we're just about four years out. Like imagine, even from the standpoint, like we're the biggest marketing country in the world, like in the biggest sporting tournament, like the audience there is just going to be way massive, way, way massive. So, so you really think that no. the World Cup coming to the U.S. Um, in Canada uh, and Mexico, but you mm -hmm. know, coming to the U.S. is going to be uh, a major tipping point in terms of For soccer sure. culture? Size, I say, yeah, I'll say seismic shift. Like I'm willing yeah, to I, bet on it to that point. I agree. Because again, it's, it goes back to the point of like, this has already been the biggest sporting event, sporting tournament in the world for decades, years, centuries, right? Yeah. Not even consider all of that facts, but the fact that where American soccer is as the landscape right now, like we can arguably yeah. say we're bubbling. We have our, you know, our real first yeah. golden generation, quote unquote, in terms of playing, like our youth academies are doing so much, so way more well off than what they used to be. They're competing with teams in Europe all the time. Philadelphia Union is a good example of how they run their academies. Like the U.S. players are now getting into higher clubs every year, every year, every year. So like the entire landscape, even from a playing and non-playing side, yeah, it's going to be the biggest catalyst for everything. Like, and I, and I, again, like that was my hypothesis about the whole situation and I was willing to just bet on it. And I think there is going to be a time where that best don't, you know, obviously work out for whoever yeah. is in the space, but like, it's going to be so big. It makes no sense. Cause then it becomes like, yeah, I, just the simple factors, man. Like we're the biggest marketing country ever. Like by a long shot in terms of marketing dollars, yeah. TV rights. Like you go into all the business stuff. It just it's already making sense. They're already making decisions for in the for you four years in advance, for example. So yeah, yeah, man. I think that's that's gonna really open up the field. You know, there's gonna be a lot of development in the four years that lead up to that, that point, obviously. But like once that's like the flood the floodgates open at that World Cup. If I'm being honest. How, yeah. how much depends on the U.S. team continuing to succeed and qualifying for that World Cup? It's, well, I guess uh, they will qualify because yeah. we're hosting it. Yeah. Good point, Mike. Um, you know, I would damn near argue, even if we weren't into it, yeah. I, would, I would damn near, I would damn near argue, like, even if they weren't in it, it would still be huge. Like, yeah. it would still be huge, again, because it's just the whole marketing of the situation, the whole... But irrespective yeah, of how me, the like, U.S. national team irrespective, is doing. Irrespective irrespective like it's going to bring huge international business like the whole globalization concept as a whole is going to collide again just because how america runs business is the business capital of the world like yeah. it's just going to unfold that way naturally but it's going to need the level of development until we get there I, is what i'm saying yeah yeah no i i, I agree 100 percent. all right i had mm -hmm. a, i had a couple of things i wanted to talk about but we've had you for a minute yeah. and honestly i'd i'd rather save it like let's let's 
bookmark it and damn near like I would love to do a part two with you. Not it doesn't have to be like next week, but like sometime in the future, bro. Just because like we're just very much aligned on a lot of stuff, and just like you have a lot of very important Mm -hmm. things that need to be talked about and shared. Um, like I wanted to talk a little bit about. I know what, you're with, what you're doing with black star i mean and just like yeah i mean just more just more well, in the weeds yeah. of like what you're doing and kind of i mean i just think again like i repeat myself like we're so mm-hmm. aligned on a lot of these things <clears throat> it's nice to not hear mm-hmm. it from myself or in my head and finally hear it you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's that's Undo. good absolutely um so we yeah. can we can kind of put a pause on you know mm-hmm where we're at right now. And I think that's kind of good, a good time with, you know, the state of us soccer and kind of this very unique time where we, as Mm -hmm. you know, young people with businesses and brands can have an impact on the culture and really uh, make our mark and move in a positive direction. Like, it's not like we're just trying to do Mm -hmm. something like selfishly because we think it's dope, but I think, one of the great things yeah. about what you do is like impact, bro. Like just watching the impact that you make. I mean, that was something I want to talk about with Blackstar. We could do that later. Mm-hmm. Just the impact. Like yeah. that's really what yeah. keeps keeps us going. I mean, I feel like literally we're having mm-hmm. these pop-ups where we have kids come out. We have like people come and play pickup and like, they're just like, yo, mm-hmm. I, we've been wanting to do this. There's just, this hasn't existed, we'll like, so, yeah. you know? So just like, yeah. hear, like I'd much rather hear that versus like do $5,000 in sales of t-shirts. Cause it's like, yo, that this is real impact, you know, like you're actually impacting lives. So yeah. I would love to continue this conversation, but we do have an mm-hmm. ending segment we can, we can do right now just cause cool. you know, don't want you to be up all night talking to us. So it's called, what are you eating, reading, preaching and plugging very quick. You know, yeah. just some little quick hitters. So uh-huh. eating, okay. it's a chance to highlight, you know, is there something that you're chefing up that you want to highlight? Or is there a, mm-hmm. an Atlanta an Atlanta eatery that you're like, yo, I want to, I got to put this place on the map, you know, give them a shout uh-huh. out. But what do you, what kind of food uh-huh. you want to highlight? I, I think where I'm currently at, if I'm being honest, I'm very much on my uh, Larry June wave. Like, it's okay, all about essential go. oils. It's all about healthy eating. My pops is actually a Rasta. So, like, me growing up, I actually did eat a lot of vegetarian foods. So, like, my diet is kind of like a hybrid mix, I would say. Okay. But, like, even more so now, you know, because I recognize just what it, it does for you. You know what I'm saying? Lots of – I do tofu, lots of just vegetarian meals for nice. me. Big fan of just Asian-inspired food as well. Like, it always is super healthy for me, especially homegrown. Yeah, uh, right. soup. Uh, there's so many different, like, vegetarian options. I'm going to try – mushrooms is my favorite vegetable. Weird fun okay. fact, but I could eat it on anything. So you're yeah, in the wings really, capital really of the earth, and you're not, you're not know. enjoying – mushrooms. Look, all right, so let me put it to you like this. Let me put, let me put it to you like this. Now, I still do my Atlanta staples, for yeah. sure. It's, okay. We're not missing that. Lemon pepper wings, wet, all flats. Well, all flats. Yes, depending sir. on who you are. Depending, hey, depending on who you me, are, obviously. Me, but yeah. All flats. All flats. You know, okay, you uh, the wings still get done. Nah, nah, nah. I still, trust me, I still get to enjoy it. There's a lot of like, uh, like real soul food brunch spots out here. Our brunch is our new party scene. It's okay, like day yeah. partying and you'll go yeah. get brunch. But brunch is usually like soul food, mac and cheese. Oh, you name it, whatever they, oh man, it's the soul food out here is so amazing. Um, and it's really, you know, Atlanta's really diverse. So we yeah. eat a lot, but in terms of Atlanta staples, soul food and wings, count me in. Like, okay. definitely get that once a week. Okay. We got that. Eating, uh, reading. Mm-hmm. Is there any 
any book or just text, yeah. any sort of text mm. you'd want to highlight, recommend? Yeah. I have, I'm going to be, yeah, um, I'll be transparent. I haven't been doing the most reading recently. Just been busy with other. It's, it's everything is the input it. though. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it's the right. But look, one thing about books, I it's the best input. I hate to say it, it might be top three, if not. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. I think for me, right. I think for me right now is a book called the go giver. And it's kind of like, an, I'm, it's the only book I've read standing up and walking at the same time. And that's how good the book is. Like wow. I reread it all the time. So I definitely recommend that, that one. What's, what's, what's it about? It's basically like it's business, but again, in it's a story. It's a story about a guy pretty much he's working at a corporate firm. And there's this guy in the office who does nothing, but has the highest paying job and nobody ever knows why. And the story goes through three ways of like, let's say three marquee ways of doing business, but it has nothing to do with business at all. It has to do with like personal relationships and how you behave as an individual. It has to do with just like a law of attraction piece where like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you have to, the law of attraction is a real thing, but there's also another half of it that does play a key component in the law of attraction and go into that. Right. Um, and then there's like another one where it's just like, I don't know, it's just a lot of humane values to business that I love in a story. And it makes absolute, and it's based on a real story, actually. I can't remember the, I think I have it somewhere gonna, in here. I might've uh, gave I'm, it to one of them. Yeah, the go giver. I recommend yeah. it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think like. Definitely look into that. We'll find yeah, it. We'll go giver, go giver. We'll yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Go. Um, yeah. Reading, okay, preaching. Um, You've, I mean, you've done a, a, a lot of this. We could choose any of 15 different little sound bites, but is there, you know, <laughs> do, you, do you have like any sort of motto, words to live by? Just something that you were to, like, if you were to preach something to our, our global audience, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, just what would you preach to them? I think it's two things. Can I do two things? Because I, I, they both kind of yeah. play equal, equal parts. Sure. We're going to have to I'm charge a- extra though. I look, I might take it. Look, they they charge me twenty five cents for extra ranch at the uh, lemon pepper spots. So you know what? It's not even that big of a deal. Uh, um, but not. Uh, I think for me, like, there's having no fear in the ten thousand hours is everything. Like, yeah. the just mastery is everything. I live and die by. Like, I don't care how long the ten hour, thousand hours takes. Once you hit that level, it's everything. So, like, just be committed to your craft from that sense of a ten thousand hour sense. And I think for me is like just always do things that's that's purpose-driven you'll never lose sight of the route when it's purpose-driven man i think that's one of the big things i always learn if it's for other people or for humane values even if it's for climate change it don't matter like if it's purpose-driven you'll never lose the vision or lose the love because that's where the love is like rooted in so um yeah those those two for me might be might be the ones yeah no i i agree i think i mean we we like work with a sports performance coach and like mm-hmm. first day of the year, you have to answer the question, like, what is your why? And I think, you know, that, mm-hmm. that applies to everything. Cause when shit gets hard, when mm-hmm. shit hits the fan, if, if you don't have a you. strong why, then mm-hmm. you're not going to make it through, you know? So mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Let's not charge yeah. an extra for the second play. Yeah, it was, no, it was, it was okay. worth it. Okay. Look, just put it on my tab. When I call it yeah, open, it on I'll tab. You, no, that can go into next next uh, next pod, you know? So yeah. we'll have to do another okay. preach for next pod. Uh, and then yeah. lastly, what do you plug in? I mean, we talked about Kit Boys, but is there anything yeah. you know, anything you want to plug? Where can where can people find Kit Boys? Um, any upcoming, mm. you know, just anything you would want to plug 
is your opportunity. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's my favorite part of the segment. So yeah, you yeah. can find me personally at uh, at forty seventh Pooh on IG and Twitter. Only say on IG and Twitter. I ain't got the TikTok yet. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow the club, we're also available IG and Twitter at kidboys.club. And there's a little dot between the club. Don't forget that part. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think uh, just stay tuned to the club, man. We have so much, so many fun collaborations down the pipeline and so many more fun things to do. Just stay tuned and, you know, whatever you guys have for a mission, man, just follow you, you know, follow your own guys' mission too. Because like, you know, the, the brand is always just an extension of like, I can do it too. You know what I'm saying? And I always yeah. wanted to be that. So to the audience, man, like, just use it as another reference of like you can do it too, man. At the end of the day, yeah. Hey, for our sixty-five and older uh, audience, which is significant, gotcha. uh, the Kit Boys uh-huh. <laughs> uh, streetwear okay for us uh, sixty-five and older? What yeah. if you want all the the hot little honey dips? Look, <laughs> like, you might have to do that. You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. you know little, little friend to the side. This, Kid Boys Club will get you right, man. It'll work. It'll work for this okay. guy. He's. I mean, he. Yeah, we, we got him dripping in. In a lot of different, he he strictly wears oh, yeah. marathon minute and NSC apparel, but we can well, let's add some boys in the mix. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it here. into the mix. Yeah, into um, the rotation. Hey, I mean, <laughs> there you go, there you go in the yeah. rotation. All right, <laughs> bro. This is, I mean, this was incredible. Like we went yeah. way over time, and yeah. we could have kept going. Yeah. I literally am looking at like another five questions I just skipped because mm. I could have kept talking about those other subjects for so long. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean. Once again, I appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I think, bro, I think your story, your story and perspective is so valuable and inspiring and, and just important for um, not only people aspiring to do and work in the space that you're in, but just like anyone with, with goals of doing what you're doing, um, you know, appreciate outside that. in other spaces and other brands. So I think, you know, what you're doing is truly incredible. I think you're just scratching the surface. And like I said, I'm excited to continue this conversation and continue our relationship. I mean, shit, bro, we've had, all we've done is had two Zoom calls and I feel like- Yeah, I'm about to say, you know, we got a lot of work to do. Bro, you know, know, we have a lot of work to do, man. I know. So I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking in the off season, I, I need to get out to Atlanta or something and then- you know, you may maybe need to take a trip out west. No, I, need um, I need to. So I think there's, you know, I think obviously we we vibe very well on a personal level, but then there's, you know, a lot of business opportunity as well. Yeah, Seiko, we're honored and uh, and and very very uh, appreciative to have you as a guest. Yeah, and uh, you you yeah. lived up to your billing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we I have great I have great admiration for for what you're doing and how you're doing it and thank you, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate your time and i'll be following following you from oakland here and going hey, on to the kid boys that, side to look look for my streetwear yeah. get some drip. 